Hey everybody, I'm Mr. Hartzler and this is Hartzler University. This is the first of what I hope is many podcasts. This first series though is going to be advice for students. Uh, I'll be tackling questions like what to do when you fail a test, how to ask for help in school, and money do's and don'ts for high school students. That's all going to be part of this first series I'm doing, plus of course a bunch of other topics that I'm not going to share quite yet. Now, let's start my first ever podcast. The big question today is, how should you study? So, how much should you study? Well, in college, that's a pretty easy question to answer. Most suggest you study two to three hours for every one credit hour in class. And to be a full-time student, for the most part, that's 15 credit hours. So, if you're taking 15 credit hours, that means you're studying 30 to 45 hours outside of class per week. Again, that is outside class of 30 to 45 hours. You spend 15 hours in class if you're taking 15 credit hours. That's per week. So that's a grand total of 45 to 60 hours per week of school-related stuff. So I know that seems like a lot, but it typically ramps up, ramps up as the years go on. So your freshman year, you know, you're doing more of the general education classes, uh, kind of getting some of those, you know, the English, your first math and science kind of stuff out of the way. So those years, you maybe don't study quite towards that three range, more towards the two, maybe even one and a half for some students. So it really doesn't start kicking off right away with that 60-hour school week. It, it just really gets to that towards the end when you're doing extra studying, writing extra reports, uh, those kinds of interesting things. But in high school, we don't really have any special formula. So I would instead suggest you study for 15 minutes for every core subject. So some of you will have other classes you'll also, also have to study for. I mean, stuff like choir and band, you probably don't necessarily need to study for. I mean, our band, I don't know about the rest of them, but they practice a ton. When I was in band in high school, we practiced a lot during the school day, so I didn't need to go home and practice it more necessarily, unless I was having issues on one particular thing. But I would suggest 15 minutes for your core subjects and then any extra classes you're taping, maybe like a, a genetics class that's extra or biology class that's extra that you don't need to necessarily have, something like that. And some of our students actually double dip on math, so they'll take two math classes at once. But this could be projects and homework. That is included in what I'm counting as this study time. So I'm just saying a minimum 15 minutes per class for your main subjects. But that could be you working on projects or homework during that time. So what is important, though, is that even if you don't have anything assigned to you, you actually do that time. You still do the time even if you don't have any kind of assignment. I don't grade my homework in my math classes. So my engineering classes are a little bit different sometimes. But in my math classes, I don't assign homework. I just, I don't know, it's too easy to cheat on it anymore, right? So that means my students don't technically have anything that they have to do when they aren't in my classroom. However, to be successful in my class, my students have to study. And I talked to them about that at the beginning of the year. A lot of them don't really you know, take my word for it, and they have to learn the hard way. But... I do recommend to all of them, and I discuss this in class, that I do think they should do the suggested problems. Uh, I make YouTube videos for my students. I think they should watch those too. Though, again, they don't necessarily have to do any of that, right? I mean, some of my students will not do anything outside of class and still do perfectly fine, maybe even get 100% in my class. Those students are just particularly gifted and maybe you know, have had really great classes in the past that have prepared them, and other students maybe haven't. I mean, I don't know. There's all kinds of little things involved in all of that. But again, my... Uh, I, I would really suggest to all of my students that they do the suggested problems and they study the notes that they've taken at least a little bit every single day, right? And that's true for a lot of classes, but I'm mostly just talking about mine right now, I guess, because, I mean, really, my math class is the only real, real class that counts. So by working through the suggested problems and studying the notes a little bit every single day, you're way more likely to retain the information. So that's why I suggest it. It actually leads us to our next point. 
So according to a study published in Psychological Science back in 2008, uh, this was performed by Cornell and the University of California, Los Angeles. So students should mix up their tasks and their topics. Okay, That's what this Psychological Magazine article or study was all about. So they think that it has to do with the act of actually learning, right? Which typically goes, you learn something, you forget it, and you relearn it. That's really how learning works. Um, I mean, as basic as it can be, right? I mean, learning, there's other things involved in that. But you try and learn it, and then you'll forget it. That just will happen. Don't try and do it. That's just the you know, side effect. And then you'll have to relearn it at some point, particularly in school. I don't know if any of you have heard from your teachers. Like, the first quarter is really this review from last year. I mean, that's true in a lot of classes. But by leaving the task or the subject for a little while and then coming back to it, you actually have to relearn that material just a little bit, right? Even if it's just for 20 minutes in the middle. You kind of have to refresh yourself on what that is, and that can help to cement it inside your own head. And because of that, interweaving subjects can also help you make connections. So with your own material, but also it gives you that little break, right? But if I go from science to math, well, now it's going to help me to make connections between those two subjects. And I say science and math because those are super easy at the high school and post-secondary, so like often college. It's really easy to make those kinds of connections. And... That still happens at an elementary school level. It's just, of course, isn't as obvious, and maybe those connections aren't as concrete. But it's important for all of you to, to mix and match your subjects. You know, Do three questions in math, but then go do some science for a little bit. Once you've done some science, come back to math, do a little bit of that. I know it might feel weird at first, like you're in the groove, let's just keep going. But it'll actually help you, one, to like de-stress a little bit, because like, ah, like I'm, not, I'm not all the way done with my math yet. Okay, go do some, some science. One, you're getting a little more points in each of those classes should you have to turn in that homework. Uh, two, you're giving yourself a little brain break from either math or science or history, you know, whichever one you're leaving for a minute. And when you come back, you're then more ready to start. Okay, You refresh yourself a little bit and then you can get right back in it. Uh, but all of those connections that happen between switching from subjects is also very important. So don't sit down and just study for one whole hour on Monday for math and then do a whole hour on Tuesday for science. Instead, like split that up a little bit. Do a half hour each of those days. Uh, the bummer with all of this is it does take some planning, right? That's particularly hard for my middle school, well, not my middle school, but for middle school and high school students. A lot of you don't plan particularly well, so you end up having to do an hour's worth of work on Monday for just math and then an hour's worth of work on Tuesday for just science because, I mean, that's when the test was for math, that's when the test was for science, that kind of thing. But if you can, try and split that stuff up. So my next big tip for studying and how you should do it is location, location, location. It's important for when you're buying a house, but it's also important for studying. So the first location part, where are you studying? Your bedroom might work, but sitting on your bed isn't going to cut it, right? I think we've all sat on our bed and done some homework or talked on the phone or whatever, and eventually it just becomes uncomfortable, right? You either sit folded or laying down and you want to fall asleep. It's all kinds of weird, right? So it seems comfortable at first, but it's just not going to work, right? You can't type. You can't write well. There's no hard surface around you to put anything on to then write or type. So you end up hunched over for the entire study session or homework section, you know, whatever it is. So instead, think about rooms in your house that have tables, okay, or apartment, I don't know, wherever you live. So you have a kitchen table. You might have an extra table in the basement that, you know, nobody else is using, or maybe there's laundry on it. Fold the laundry. You know, everyone will appreciate that. And then, you know, do your homework on that table. And... I know a lot of people don't have extra tables. Some people don't have basements. It's fine. Go out and find yourself somewhere. You've got some little thing that looks kind of like a table, right? Maybe it's a little stool. 
you know, steal that stool from the hallway somewhere and use that as your little desk. You just need some kind of makeshift desk, right? And that's if you're taking it up to your bedroom. And I, and I would recommend sitting on the floor, leaning up against the bed or your wall, and having that little table thing in front of you, right? I think that'll be successful, at least somewhat. It'll be way better than the bed in the long run. You'll have something firm to write on and to type on. Most of my students have Chromebooks, right? So it makes it really easy. Just hit Chromebook on a little stool and you're good to go. Or an end table. I mean, there's really infinite number of tables you could use for this. Because I understand that the kitchen table doesn't always work, right? I mean, it wouldn't work for me. There's just too many distractions, right? I mean, one, there's the food. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I have for some reason decided to stockpile my house with a bunch of ice cream. And it calls to me if I sit in the kitchen too long. And that's a problem. So if the kitchen table doesn't work, which I understand that it doesn't, then try and find that other space. But if the kitchen table does work, awesome. Use that. And make sure you just clean it up so you can eat dinner on it because that's important. I think families should eat dinner at the table as often as they can. But uh, just use that desk-like thing as often as possible or a table if you actually have a table somewhere, and it really will help. It can also mess with your sleeping pattern if you're actually in your bed but not intending to sleep. So there's a whole things on that too, but you should really only be in your bedroom and on your bed particularly if you're trying to go to sleep. If you like commit to that, it can actually make a pretty big difference in your sleeping schedule because your brain will be trained when you go to bed, well, it's actually bedtime. It's actually going to sleep. So there's that. But location, this is our second location of the location, location, location. So number two, location is the location of your phone. It's important. Don't have that thing sitting right next to you. It's going to be dinging and vibrating all the time. I mean, if you do, for whatever reason, have to have it next to you or you start feeling itchy, right? You all are addicted to it. Then put it on silent. Turn it off. Put it on airplane mode. Do something so that it's not going to ding or be vibrating this whole time because it's going to distract you. It just is. You'll say it isn't, but it is. And I know that some people think they study well with music, but I suggest not listening to music. At least not listening to music that there are words to, okay? Or not words that you know. So pick something that's not distracting. Uh, pick some songs that uh, are a genre that you've never heard of before, right? Because if you pick your favorite songs, like your best playlist, you're going to be singing along. We all will. I mean, we're, I'm not blaming you. I'm just telling you what facts are, right? And I think you could admit to it if you were really honest with yourself. You pick a good song, you're just going to sing to it. It's good. It's a good song that way. But pick a genre you don't listen to often. Or better yet, what I tend to do if I need to study or if I need to do some grading is to just find some instrumental music, right? YouTube study music. Have that play. You know, or search it on one of your search engines. Just listen to instrumental study music, and that will be so incredibly helpful for you. All right, so now our third location. How closely does your study location match where you will be tested? So this might not matter for a lot of people. Most classrooms are relatively quiet, so your quiet bedroom or your quiet kitchen, if it is quiet, whatever it is, that might be the ideal place to take this test. Okay, If you're studying for the ACT, you want to study in silence because that's what you're going to have. They make sure it is, except for the little scratch of pencils coloring in those little dots. It's going to be quiet. But if you you might not think about it, but it can make a big difference on test day because like my classroom is not the ideal testing location. I admit that 100%. I definitely have had parents even you know contact me and complain about it a little bit. And I understand um, the only other thing for that is I can't really help it most of the time. So sometimes it's a, a neighbor teacher is playing some videos or like they're playing a Kahoot, and we all have heard that music. We know exactly what that means. But I'm also in the career tech building. So down the hall, I mean, they might be starting up a tractor or a car or all kinds of stuff. So when that the car is down there backfiring or something because there's an issue in it, well, I tell you what, it's interesting, right? The whole building kind of jumps a little bit. But 
If you're testing in perfect silence, it might throw you off when test day comes because a lot of classrooms aren't completely silent. I mean, I might even have a robot going off in here that day because the engineering classes, somebody's coming in and, you know, working on something then. Or, I mean, I just the other day I had a student making up a test during one of my engineering classes and just had a heck of a time because it was all so loud and rambunctious, which is just, I mean, that's the way I want my engineering classes, but it's not how you want it on test day, and I just can't help that all the time. So it might be worth it. A little bit leading up to a test, particularly if you're somebody that has a little bit of anxiety with that, start going to the kitchen table or the living room or something where there's other people doing things and focus on tuning all of those distractions out. Practice test day like you expect your test to actually be. So that can be a, just a little helpful tip for you on all of that. All right, so that's really all I have today about the uh, about testing. or Sorry, not testing. About re not recycling. I almost said recycling. Can you believe that? but about our study ideas. So I wanna do a little recap here. So, uh, so studying for a small amount of time, many times is perfect. That's the ideal, that's what you wanna do. So do a little bit every single day, okay? Give yourself Sunday or Saturday, give yourself some kind of Sabbath, some day off. But if you have a lot of studying or homework to do for one class, just do a little. Get up, walk around your room, walk downstairs, walk across the hall, do something. Or go and do some other classwork and then come back to it and finish it up. Okay, do, you know, I, our attention really starts to dwindle after 15 minutes. So do 15 minutes. Stand up. Take a lap around the room. Do 10 push-ups. I don't know what you do. Do something. Then come back to it. It'll actually make a bigger difference than what you think. And it will also increase the number of times that you learn, forget, and then relearn the material. And that's helpful. That's critical. That's what that study found that they, is really helpful for people when they're trying to learn things. So try and learn, forget, and relearn as many times as possible. I mean, again, don't worry about the forgetting part. That's just going to happen. Then location, location, location. It applies to so many things, including studying. So the location of your desk-like thing, okay, like if it's in your bedroom, your living room, your basement, wherever, that's important. But also the location of your phone. I would argue that's probably the most important location. Then the location on test day. Anticipate it a little bit. Is the, the room always dead silent? Or is it always a little bit noisy? Or is it always just way too stinking loud? Either way, you need to plan for that. You need to make sure you're mentally prepared for that. And I mean physically prepared for that by actually practicing in that setting. Right? Take the ACT practice test in a quiet place. But if you're my student, take your engineering test in a loud place. All right. So I hope you all uh, listen next week when I'm going to discuss money do's and don'ts for students. So thank every, I thank all of you for listening this long, and I encourage all of you to study carefully and with enthusiasm. Bye, everybody.